If you want to open your Bible to Romans chapter 8 and to Isaiah 59. Romans 8 and Isaiah 59. We're going to read Isaiah 59 first. Romans 8 and Isaiah 59. All right. Isaiah 59, verse 1. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not too short that it cannot save. His ear is not so dull that it cannot hear. Why don't you guys say that with me? The Lord's hand is not too short that it cannot save. And His ear is not so dull that He cannot hear. And then here's the second part. It says, but your iniquities or sin have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He cannot hear you. I want everyone to say this with me. God hates sin. I'm going to preach fire and brimstone. God hates sin. All you sinners, turn or burn. (laughs) It's not what I'm going for today. I know you guys know me well enough to know that. But God hates sin. How many believe that? He hates it. He absolutely hates sin. In Genesis chapter 4, there's a story of Cain and Abel. How many of you have ever heard that story of Cain and Abel? Cain killed Abel. Do you know the backstory? Why he killed him? Cain offered a second-rate sacrifice to God. Second-rate. He didn't want to give his best. He was stingy with his sacrifice to God. But Abel absolutely loved God, and he gave him the fattest portions and the first fruits of his offering to God. So God was not pleased with Cain, but God was pleased with Abel. And Cain got jealous and angry. And God says to him, why is your face so downcast? Why are you so upset? He says, if you did what is right, wouldn't I have accepted it? He says, but you did not do what is right. And then he says this line. He says, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. But you must master it. I want you to get a picture of sin crouching to devour every one of us. Hello? It's crouching. It's in its aggressive, ready-to-go stance. If it's a football player, if it's a defensive lineman, a speed rusher, it's ready to go on the end, you know? Ready to go. Ready to crouch. Ready to devour us. Excuse me. Luke 22, verse 31. Jesus turns to Simon, who wasn't thinking real well in in this story. He says, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. He wants to separate you. Guys, everyone here, I want you to hear this. Satan's goal is to separate you. To separate you. He wants to separate you from the Father. Period. Right? It's his number one tactic to destroy people that love God. It's the number one tactic that he uses to keep people from knowing God. Separation. He knows if he can separate, then all the other things that he has in his heart for us can happen. Listen to me today, okay? The the number one reason God hates sin is because of separation. When we sin, God doesn't separate himself from us. I want you to listen to me today very clearly. When we sin, God doesn't, he's not the one that walks away from us. 
and separates. Our sin in its own authority and power pushes God away from us and separates us. It's not God separating himself from us. See, God absolutely loves us and went to great lengths to be with us. So it doesn't matter what we do. He wants to be close to us. But when we sin, it naturally creates a separation. See, it was God's idea to separate darkness from light. And since then, darkness has been trying to separate the light from the Father of lights. Ever since then, He wants to separate us. See, separation cuts off God's life-giving authority in our life. Separation places enmity in our heart towards God. God hates sin, right? Why does God hate sin? Because of the separation between us and Him. It breaks His heart. So when the church champions the message that God hates sin, we need to let our first chant be, God wants to be close to you. That's why he hates sin. God wants to be close to you. And sin makes you separate yourself from him. But he doesn't walk away from you. That's what the world needs to hear. But what we've done and what we do in church, and a lot of us, if we went around here and actually just really examined how we think about sin, we think that God doesn't want to be with us when we sin. Like, I'm hideous. God can't want to be with me right now. How many of you, what's the first inclination when we sin? What's the first thing we want to do? Separate, retreat, hide. Separate. Did God hide from Adam and Eve in the garden? We hid. They hid. And from that point until now, sin and separation go hand in hand. We can sin and we can separate ourselves from God. Or when we separate ourselves from God, we will sin. They work together, sin and separation. They work together to keep us from the life-giving source of the Father. And this separation leads to sin, which creates enmity between us and God. Do you know what enmity is? It's hostility. It's that person that you don't really like, and when you walk into the room, that thing you feel for them. We're not supposed to feel this, so hopefully you don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But that... That grudge in the heart, that offense, that's what enmity is. And when we separate or when we sin, it builds up an offense system inside of us toward God, to where we can't be close to Him because of us, not because of Him. In Romans chapter 8, in Romans chapter 8, it says, The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. And it says, The mind that's sinful is hostile towards God. It cannot submit to God's law and cannot please him. Everybody good with me still, still with me so far? Skip down to verse 13. It says, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive a spirit that makes you again a slave to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. Where we all cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. God wants to be our Daddy. He wants to be our Father. He doesn't want this separation between us. He doesn't want this space between us. There was a movie I saw a while back. I can't, I can't even remember what, I, what it was. 
Um, and at the end of it, there's, a, there's a, a single mom and her daughter. And the daughter says, I want my space. Give me my space. And the mom says, no space between us. No space between us. And I was like, that's how God feels. No space between us. You don't have your space and I have my space. You don't have your life and I have my life. We are one. When you come to me, your life melds into mine and mine into yours to where we become one. There's nothing that's yours and nothing that's mine. It's ours. God wants to bring that space between us to where there's nothing there, to where we become hidden in him. It's John 15, abide in me and I will abide in you. No space between us. God longs to be with us. He doesn't want separation. That's why he hates sin. All right? Enmity in us will produce death and destruction because it connects us to destructive source of nutrients. Listen to me. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, right? So the other reason God hates sin is because it pays with death and destruction. So God hates sin. He hates sin because it separates us from him. And he hates it because when we access sin in our life, we are, we are going to be paid back with death and destruction. Ooh, that doesn't sound very fun. Listen to me. Just as God doesn't remove himself from us, God doesn't punish us when we sin. Sin punishes us all by itself. Hello? Sin has the power all by itself to punish you, to punish me. God doesn't even have to be in the equation. Hello? So when we think that that there's punishment because we sinned, we don't know the Father. We don't know him. It's not in his heart to hurt you. It's not in his heart to punish you. But when we separate ourselves from him, when we sin, it puts a fence between us and God. That offense leads to death. That thing is what punishes us, not God. Man. God didn't choose separation or enmity with man. We did. Right? So he sent Jesus. And at the cross... He resolved the separation and the enmity between God and man. Hello? He tore the veil. You can read in Ephesians 2, 12 through 19. It says that Jesus is our peace, who has broken down every dividing wall. Every wall that divided God from man, Jesus came and bridged that gap and and voided that separation and made us one with the Father. At the cross... He reconciled man back to the Father. He took away everything that separated us from Him. Hello? As Jesus came, He became our high priest and our intercessor in the battle against separation. In Romans 8, I want you to, if you're there, I want you to read this with me. Romans 8, verse 31 through 34. It says, what shall we say in response to all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? And he who did not even spare his own son, but gave himself up for us all, how will he not also, along with Jesus, give us all things? 
And it says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? In other words, who's here to accuse the people God came to set free? He says, did Jesus do it? He's like, no, it's God who justifies us. He goes, who condemns Christ Jesus who died? He goes, no. More than that, he was raised to life. And it says, instead of condemning us or accusing us, he's standing at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. If you miss Wednesday night, you need to go listen to this, okay? I talk about this from our our standpoint as intercessors and what it really means from seeing Jesus' example. But I love how this scripture is dropped in the middle of all this. It says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? You are more than conquerors through Christ. Romans 8 is so amazing. Go home and read the whole thing. It's like God's just purpose and love letter to you. It's so awesome. You're more than a conqueror. No one can stand against you because I'm for you. I'm your attorney. I'm making intercession for you, right? That word intercession means that he lights upon us and presses upon us until we hit the mark. Until we fulfill his purpose. See, when we fall short or miss the mark, um, the, the common reaction is to hide. And hiding is separation. Separation leads to enmity. Enmity leads to death. And we said earlier before, but when we hide from the Father, it's because we don't know Him. Listen to me, okay? Do not partner with or believe the lies of the enemy. When we believe the lie, we empower the liar. I want you to say it. Believing the lie empowers the liar. When Satan speaks to us, He's trying to separate us. Hello? He's called the accuser of the brethren. Which means when he talks, his number one job, his number one goal is to drive a wedge between the Father and us. That's what he's trying to do. Did God really say? Oh, come on, Jesus, you're the Son of God. I mean, you can do anything you want, right? I mean, if you are the Son of God, why don't you turn these stones? Everything he says is to bring separation. Because he knows that when we are connected to the Father, we become just like him. And he's scared of us. How many of you in the room are scared of the devil? He's scared of you. He's absolutely, I love it. He's absolutely frightened of you. And when he sees you move towards the Father, he wants to do anything he can to keep you from him. Hello? So in the middle of this, you're more than conquerors through Christ. If God is for us, who can be against us? Is there anyone to condemn you? No, Jesus is making intercession for you. Then he goes on and he says this. And what can separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. It says, as it is written, we face death all day long. We're considered sheep led to the slaughter. It goes, but no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It says, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, not height, or depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. What's the enemy's number one goal? Separate, separate, separate. 
What's God's number one goal? Draw close, draw close, draw close. They're on opposite ends of the scale. Who's going to win in a battle between God and the devil? I think a better way to ask that is who already won between God and the devil? He already won. So if the devil's agenda is to separate and God's agenda is to bring close, who's going to win? What's going to happen? We're going to be brought close. Jesus is the cure for the enemy's plan of separation. I went through that really fast. That was good for me. I, I, I did all right. I want to ask you, are there places in your heart where you know there's separation? Are there places where there's a fence? Because a fence means separation. Are there places where there's wounds? Because the wounds mean separation. Are there places where there are things that we want that are ours? Like this is ours, God. Because that's separation. Give me my space, God. No space between us. No space between us. No space between us. Everything God did was to clear that space out of the way. Make room for us to be one with him. Every decision Jesus made was to clear that space away where there's no space between us. No space between us. We're going we're gonna to take time right now to pray. We're going to make an altar. And I don't want you to worry about the fruit. The only thing you need to worry about right now is look for areas where there's space and come close to the Lord. James 4 says, James 4, 8, it says, come near to God, he'll come near to you. Come near to God, he'll come near to you. I like to think of it like this. If I take one of my steps, which could be a big step for me, doesn't compare to one step of God's step, right? And I take this huge step, God, I'm giving this thing, it's a big step for me. But dude, can you imagine God's big step? I mean, if he measures the oceans in the little part of his hand, calls the stars by name, measures the skies with his hand, I mean, this guy's big. So I think today, we, it may seem like a big deal to us. When we take that step towards him, he rushes towards us. He rushes towards us. So I want you right now to just take inventory. Lord, is there space between me and you? Is there separation in between me and you? Let's do that. Let's all just bow right where we're at. If you want to come to the front, please do. <clears throat> no space between us. No space, God. God, we ask that you to for, for you to forgive us, Lord. You don't have to pray loud, but pray out loud, all right? Right where you're at. I'm going to turn my mic off because I know sometimes it's distracting when there's someone in the mic praying at the same time you are. Kyle's going to put some word, 
worship music on. I'm going to go pray, all right? Just ask God, show me where there's separation. Show me where there's space. Show me where there's offense, where there's wounds, where there's sin, where there's something I'm being selfish with.
everyone stand and just join hands with someone close to you. We're just going to pray. No space between us, man. Pray into that. No space between us. I mean, Jesus came to, to take the space away. We belong in your presence. It's, it's really where we're at home. It is our home. And your presence is our home. The courts of the Lord are our abiding place. It is the place where we live, breathe, and move. We have to be close to you. you. Help us to look in every area of our life that tries to separate. And help us to not let anything separate us. Help us to make your promise over us true that nothing will separate us from the love of God. Help us to live that in our life and make it true, Lord, in our lives, God. We bind the enemy who comes to separate. We, we will not fall prey to his, his schemes. We ask for you to heal every offense and every soul wound, God. Every emotional pain and scar, Lord, that causes separation, we ask you to heal it in Jesus' name. Every misconception about who you are, we ask for you to show us who you really are. Show us who you are, Father, so there's no space because of misconception and, and disbelief about who you are. I ask that you would help us to see you as you are in all of your goodness and all of your mercy and all of your grace. to protect our relationship with you, God. Help us to protect that relationship, that connection. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The things that connect you to the Father do them more and more. The things that separate you from the Father, do them less and less. That's it. And that's the simple gospel. Things that bring us close, do them more. Things that take us away, do them less. Amen? And I pray that the next time you tell God, give me my space, I pray that He says to you, no space between us. No space between us. That, that I heard that. It haunted me. I, I just heard God when when the lady said it. I was like, that's God. No space between us. Yeah. Even sometimes we say to our wife or our husband, give me my space. Or to our kids, give me my space. No space between us either. Yeah. <laughs> Someone we work with, give me my space. No space between us. It's a little harder, doesn't it? <laughs> So I'm going to have to, I do that every week. <laughs> <laughs>